the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. As my guest, Charles Love, he's executive director of Seeking Educational Excellence, host of the Charles Love Show, has a brand new book, Race Crazy, BLM 1619 and the Progressive Racism Movement. Charles Love, good to see you. Good to be on. Thank you. The only radio show I would probably dress up for. Well, not only that, you are the only guest I've ever had who's better dressed than me. Well, thank you. you I, I wear a shirt and tie to the show. I did before there was ever video. And you're wearing that and a jacket. I actually appreciate it. I, I, think, I think that dressing up to appear on TV, for example, is appropriate. You're going to the public. You honor the world with how you dress. Anyway, don't start me on that because I, 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 <laughs> I know it's not your subject. Where are you located, by the way? I am in New York City right now. Right now or in general? Well, in general, I moved here six weeks before COVID started. Remember me on the back of the bus? And you're like, why would you move there from Chicago? <laughs> well, it's it, it's an equal trade. They're, they're, they're both cities run terribly. So it's a very funny move. That you would move to New York, though, a week before COVID shows that God has a sense of humor. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a strange move. All right, my friend, uh, you've written a courageous book here. I, I, whenever I have a conservative black uh, on the show, I ask a few personal questions, if I may. First, how many people in your family, parents, siblings, Children, spouse, agree with you? Uh, oh, until you said spouse, I could have said zero. But <laughs> very, very few. Maybe one. Well, thank God if there is one, it's your spouse. That that's, that's the most important. It is better to have your entire family differ with you and your spouse agree with you than your spouse disagree with you and everybody in your family agree with you. It, 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 because the marital relationship is key. So I'm happy for you about the spouse. So what does your family think? You've you've gone you've gone crazy. What do they think? No, you know, that's the reason why I try to write from a and, and speak from a different perspective than even most uh black conservatives. I get asked often, do people attack you? I'm like, rarely. And it's because I talk about the culture and I don't talk about politics. So my mom is the best example. She laughs when I talk about her. She's 85 years old. You know, so it's baked in. She's going to be a Democrat. She's, she says those Republicans there. But when I ask her about issues, she sounds like a conservative, right? If I ask her about immigration, taxes, gay marriage, all that stuff, she sounds like a conservative, which is why I talk about the issues rather than what do you think about 
the, the, the conservative uh, the politician of the day. So most of them don't give me a hard time because I just say, okay, you bring up, you say racism is issue. We disagree about how much right, it is, but, but, but is it a solution? But Charles, you attack BLM straight on. The, doesn't your family support Black Lives Matter? You know, not only does my family not support Black Lives Matter, but until George Floyd, very few blacks did. I talk about that. Have we all seen it? We as conservatives, they make fun of the, the white liberal with the Black Lives Matter signs in the window. And the hate has no home here, even though they're full of hate. But what they forget is that you never saw that stuff in the black community. In fact, I never saw a black person with a T-shirt or even say it until after George Floyd died. So before that, most of my friends thought it was some weird fringe group. They thought it was fronted, fronted by blacks, but it was really some hard left white organization because they're not really the left, right? They have these few things that they agree with the left on, but most of them aren't that far left. So my, so no, they don't have a problem with me attacking BLM. They don't like BLM. <laughs> That's very interesting. So how do you explain Major League Baseball and the NFL and the NBA with putting Black Lives Matter on the court or on the field. Oh God, that's terrible. It, it, it was. It's you know they're a separate class. I look at right because they're the 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 extremely wealthy. They're looking at numbers. All they care about is the. I, I said before. I said they just want an attaboy. I don't think that they overnight believed that they were racist. That's what a lot of, I have a problem with these corporations, these business people. They were doing what they were doing for years. And then all of a sudden, overnight, they just said, oh, I just have to beat myself. Oh, self-flagellation. Everything is so bad. I'm a horrible person. But they didn't think that last week because let's be honest, they don't think it now. What they're saying is that the cultural mob is coming for everyone. I'm an old middle-aged white man, so I'm the main culprit. So if I say what they want and throw them a little something, They'll leave me alone. You really think somebody who, especially someone who didn't grow up rich, who got rich, became a CEO of a major Fortune 500 corporation, doesn't like capitalism? So all of a sudden they think the government should run everything? Of course they don't. They're doing it because it's the massive, extreme level of virtue signaling. You know, so they say things like, well, next week we're going to do this thing, have this training add this thing to the corporation to focus on blacks. But they don't change anything. All Netflix did was put the BLM logo in the corner and say, we have to put some black movies and put a collection in there. But you think they mentored anyone? You think they donated to any organizations that are actually doing anything? No, which is why in my book, I have two points. I think you're wrong and I explain why clearly. But then I also say, let's give you your argument. Let's assume you're right. What are they doing that's helping the uh, solution and moving us forward? And no one can say anything that BLM, the 1619, the anti-racists are doing that actually helps. You think the that most inner city blacks want a reduction in the number of police? No. If you would have asked me, my answer is closer to zero to that than your first question. You know how many people in my circle who thinks that we should defund the police, or very uh, abolish the police as BLM really wants? Zero, I have yet to meet one. Now, of course, I'm talking to people 35 to 60, so I'm not talking to really young people, but nobody, no matter how so liberal then, my right. friends so are. Charles, okay, so I got a question, and that is, if that is the case, why do they keep voting Democrat? Okay, that's a good question. I get that question a lot. That's because they have a way, right or wrong, and you understand it because you've been doing so long. Because, and this is where I beat up the Republicans, it's because they have been believing a narrative so long that it's metastasized. So what I say is they can separate what they believe and what they want from politics. My mom's a good example. And I blame the Republicans because I think they 
they were losing the fight. And so they just picked up their ball and left. So when I was first started to vote, I was always a clear thinker. My mom would say this. So I was instantly like, why would I just vote for someone because you tell me to vote for them? I need this two parties. I'm an American just like a white American. If they get a choice, I get a choice. I want to hear what both sides have to say. And then I turned and there was no one there for 20 years. A Republican never came and asked for my vote. So guess what? Me, who's never been a, a, a liberal, never voted for them for like 15 years because they didn't ask for my vote. So what happens is, what I tell Republicans is, it's a bigger problem than that. It's because if you don't say anything, then Nancy Pelosi and AOC or whoever that their you know equivalents were 20 years ago, get to speak on your behalf. So they tell the black community what you believe. You're not there to say it's not true. So then we all just believe you're racist. So we say, I don't want high taxes, especially the middle class black. I don't like crime. I don't want, I don't like this Yahoo who's running on the Democrat side. What's my choice? Vote for a racist? That's why. Yes, very effective answer. I, I, I will tell you a, a small story. And that is, I remember presidential campaign after presidential campaign the NAACP would invite the Republican candidate for president to talk before the NAACP. Almost everyone refused to. They said it wasn't worth their time because the NAACP will just be Democrat and liberal anyway. And I thought I would pay serious money from the Prager family bank account to speak to the NAACP. It was it was a total puzzle to me that Republicans did not do that. Oh, it was terrible because you may not convince the NAACP, the people who run it, but you don't know who comes to listen to them speak. You, you don't need to change every mind every time. You need to change five minds and keep going. But now because it got worse, here's the problem. They can do it now and sometimes they'll invite them and sometimes they go and they're like, I'm going to be the, the, the Republican that makes a difference. I'm going to go. But it's different because when you go, you only go to an election year. So now the average black person is like, yeah, he went, but he only went because he wanted my vote. So it doesn't seem sincere, even if you are. So the key is for the Republicans to just say, they would know what they do. Cost investment, go to go to the neighborhoods where it's not that expensive, get a 1,500 square foot place, rent it, and just be there all the time. <laughs> That's what you do. And talk do every you time have, something happens. you have any idea, and I'm not expecting that you do, but do you have any idea how, and you may not know, and I would be fine, but how do you think they reacted to Donald Trump's statement? He did make overtures to the black community, and I thought his argument was was unassailable. The Democrats are ruining your lives. Why do you have to lose voting for me or the Republican Party? How did they react? Well, I mean, yes, he did make overtures, and he got votes. I mean, even after the four years was better, it's the four years of attacks of being racist, he still got more votes in every minority community, which is fascinating, which proves that people really listen to that stuff. And if people have been doing this for years, it would have worked. I think people liked it, but it was kind of different reactions. You had some that said, well, he's right, right? And maybe I'll consider it. Some that said, you know, kind of like, I'm not saying he's not right, but, you know, he hasn't been a politician enough, so long enough, and I don't have a, a record to see. So I don't know if he means it or if he's just saying it. But then you got, you know, people are prideful. So you get some that will spend all their time talking about how racist the country is and how black neighborhoods are struggling. Look at our neighborhoods, they're struggling, you need to help us. But then the moment someone outside that community says, well, there are problems, they're like, well, who are you to say that? So some are a little bit uh, 
bothered by it. And um, so they took it as a, you're saying our communities are bad. We, you know, we have pride in our communities. How dare you put our communities down? So it was kind of a mix, but I think as a whole, people could not, as you say, deny that those situations are there. Um, and it's just a matter of whether they wanted to admit that he's right about how it ended that, up that, that, that was way. A, that was a terrifically honest answer. I really, I really appreciated it. On this issue, it's so incredible the charges of all whites are racist or or that uh, that words trigger trauma in a black, uh, you know, like if you say you're colorblind, every university now states colorblind is racist. As as truly Orwellian an idea as I have ever heard, the the whole point of the human endeavor is to judge people by their personality, character, values, behavior, uh, not their color. So, again, does this rhetoric really is it really believed by many blacks? All whites are racist. To be colorblind is to be racist, etc. I don't know one. Don't know one. Here's the problem. And I will add the cherry to the top of what you're saying. It's bad enough and it's condescending. But what's worse is who's pushing it, right? It's not like you outside of the extremes who are making money, you know, and all the kindies and such. But it's not like there's a bunch of white people pushing into schools to say this stuff. These are all white liberals who are projecting, who's saying, because I'm empathetic, I'm going to speak for the black person because they don't have the microphone or they're not smart enough or they don't have the wonderful whiteness that I have. So because I, I have this privilege and I need to do the proper things with it, you know, like Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. So I, on behalf of the weak, you know, fledgling black person, am going to speak for them. So that's what makes it even worse. But... The reason it works and it resonates is, one, I don't think it does. It's so loud that we all hear it and we fight against it. But the average person person in general is not listening to it. The average black person is not. But the other factor is, I got to tell you, I told somebody else, I talked to one of my friends, and they got to laugh because they could see it. So a lot of blacks sit here in this situation where they're like, no, I don't think all whites are racist. That's absolutely silly. And the fact that people are pushing it is shocking to me. But that is getting uh, traction is an interesting social experiment. And since we have dealt with racism in the past and we've had things we had to deal with that others didn't have, eh, Schadenfreude. It's kind of funny to watch you all struggle your way through this and say, hey, let's figure out how we deal with this. And oh, no, we're all being called racist. But they don't believe it. They just think it's funny that somebody's actually taking this madness seriously. And beyond that, there are white people saying that. So by I'm just a logical guy. So if all whites are racist, why do you get to speak, white person? You are a white racist. So why are you even speaking? I wondered that the whole time. And why aren't they just projecting what they are onto all whites? I'm not racist. I hereby declare that it is a total lie to include me in that calumny. I want to talk to you about George Floyd. There was not a single attempt in the trial of Derek Chauvin to show in any way that race was a factor in George Floyd's death. How many blacks or whites know that? Um, I don't think it matters to them. So very few, but they, they just had already assumed it was the case. If a black man is killed by a white person, it is racist, right? So it was done because of race. So you don't have to prove it. And the problem of us normal, logical people, we get the burden of proof. So you have to prove a negative. 
So if he did do it because of race and he put out a, a manifesto about how I'm going to go kill all the blacks because I hate blacks, you can prove that he did. But you can't prove what was in his in his mind. But we just go out and we just assume, well, we'll say, well, Dennis Prager and Charles Love needs to prove that he wasn't a racist or he is. And that's where we are now. So we have to prove something that is impossible to prove. I mean, the the whole riots over Floyd were riots over a non-race-based event. That's the... Not just Floyd, all of them. Mike Brown, all of them. All of them. That's correct. That is correct. So uh, here's another question that I think a lot of people would like an answer to. If it's even, again, it might not be answerable. Certainly there's no no way to prove an answer, but... They are now arguing, the the white left at any rate, is arguing that demanding correct answers on exams is racist because the results are not quote-unquote equitable. And that even applies in Oregon to math. If, if a vote were taken only among black Americans... Do you believe math answers should be changed so that all groups get higher grades? What would the vote be? Nobody would vote for that. No one would vote for it. I'm glad you went to education. This is my my, my wheelhouse. And perfect point. Just today, I tweeted out an email I got from the school announcing this wonderful, culturally relevant education that they're going to move to. And, and it talks just about that. And it specifically says English, which is bad enough, and math, right? Culturally, teaching things culturally relevant. And I say this a lot when I talk to people because they don't get it. You're right, the, the number's zero. But that's why I scream with my megaphone because no one knows this is happening. You have the CRT debate and people just say, well, we just want to teach proper history. And I said, I don't care what label, just from my, my own personal uh, way of explaining the situation. Don't care what you call it. I'm not going to get into a debate about a title. What I will say is there are problematic things happening in school. I can show you proof that it's there and it's dangerous. So to whites, do you want your 12-year-old coming home saying, well, I'm an oppressor? Do you want them being told that they can change their gender, but don't tell your mommy and daddy? Because that's happening. And to blacks who, like I said earlier, say, well, that's their problem. We don't have to deal with it. Do you want them saying blacks can't learn math unless we teach it in the black way? Right. Because I think we've all been learning math for years and there is no black black way. But they think they're helping. If black parents knew that, they would be livid. But my approach is to the regular folks who are working their nine to five, raising their kids and cooking dinner, who aren't watching uh, right or left wing TV and listening to talk radio and they don't know. So they, they just let everybody else fight and say it's not my problem. If they knew this was happening, they would join those parents tomorrow. Fascinating. I don't even understand cultural math. Two I, plus I, two is five, maybe. <laughs> well, you hear what they say about English though? What they say, now that one has, I still don't agree with it, but at least they can try to tap dance to that. Math, you just look like a fool. But what they'll say is, we'll keep teaching these old black men. You you reported before how, like, Northwestern, uh, University of Chicago, you know, you want to get a, a PhD in English, you, you don't have to teach uh, Shakespeare. Or you can get a bachelor's degree at this school and you don't have to learn it. And they'll say, well, too many old dead white men, why can't you teach black literature? 
you know, and black authors. Now to that, you can say, well, technically black authors might be really good, so there's no problem with that. But it's like trying to erase religion. Even secular writers, especially if you talk about the classics, base their writings on religion, on the Bible. So why would you not want to teach the source document? So I can teach Toni Morrison, but I can't teach Shakespeare and Homer. But what do you think? Who do you think she read? Who do you think Langston Hughes read? So black intellectuals have the opportunity, especially those today on the left. They read the classics, but now they don't think us blacks today are smart enough to read the classics. But then, oh, the white elites still get to read it. So you are perpetuating the gaps you claim you don't like. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, let me give you a personal anecdote on this. Uh, I'm very involved in classical music. I conduct orchestras periodically, and it's been a love of mine since high school. So uh, I have never had any problem in acknowledging, even post-Holocaust, that overwhelmingly the greatest composers were Germans. So what? Uh, am I am I am I supposed to object? And by the way, the New York Times did object. They listed the ten greatest composers, and they dropped some of the greatest because they said they didn't want too many Austrians and, and, and Germans on the list. So they didn't give you a list of the ten greatest composers. They gave yeah. you a diversity list so that it wasn't overwhelmingly Germanic. But the whole point of your point is, on Shakespeare is, we don't read Shakespeare because he's white. We don't listen to Beethoven because he's white. We read Shakespeare and listen to Beethoven because they're great. And if every great one was an Albanian, I don't give a damn. Aren't we hurting kids, whether they're minority or non-minority, by depriving them of the greatest writers because of their color? Without a doubt. I mean, and not just writers, everything that they're doing that claims to be for the benefit of what they call the BIPOCs, right? Because they can't do X, Y, and Z, so we need to help them. Everything hurts them because we all know, we hear it all the time, regardless of your politics, that in Chicago and Baltimore and Milwaukee, kids are struggling. They're either passing them, dropping out, or they're passing them through, giving them diplomas, but they can't read it because they're reading three grade levels back. Is that going to help them? So what they're saying on the one is diversify the boardrooms. We need more black and brown engineers, but we're not giving them the tools and the skills and preparing them to do those jobs. So all you're doing is recycling the people who already have degrees, who already do that work, pulling them from one company, moving them to the other, but you're not increasing the number because you're not gonna have a higher percentage of blacks who can do the job because you're not giving them the skills. So if you wanna help them, that's what you need to do. Instead, well, blacks are late, so it's racist to make them show up on time, so let's just not count tardiness toward their grade, right? Blacks do uh, poorer in, in general, on the SAT t- test. Let's just ban the test because those whites can get SAT prep because they're rich. Well, why don't you use all that BLM money to fund college prep? No, we can't do that. Let's just get rid of the SAT. So every step of the way, they're hurting us instead of helping us. Where has all the hundreds of millions of dollars to BLM gone? Who knows? Homes, Democrat candidates, more, you know, uh, kindy training pushing the 1619 project, all kinds of mad, everything but where it should go. This is unanswerable, but I so enjoy you, I'll ask you. What makes an Ibram X. Kendi tick? Ooh, see, that's the thing. 
people say a lot of these people, they call them grifters who say they're just doing it for money. And I think that is true for some. Him, I'm on the fence. I think that might be the case. Definitely not Nicole Hannah-Jones. But some of them just do it for money. They get, I mean, come on, we're human. If somebody was telling you how great you were, wouldn't you keep going? I mean, they obviously let people who aren't them, who are listening and watching to your show, just listen, whether you're a liberal or not. If somebody is getting paid and getting fame for saying the things that they're saying, why would they stop doing it? Even if they believe believe it or not, even if they don't believe it, why wouldn't they do it, right? They're going to keep doing it because they're getting a benefit from it as they knock in New York. But uh, yeah, it's just, I, you know, I don't know if he really, he can't really believe it because he says stuff like, in order to fix racism, we need racism, right? Nobody can actually believe that. Nobody's that crazy, at least with the 1619 Project, it's well-written, which is why I think it's worse. It's well-written. It, it puts, it takes enough facts to make you think, but they leave out omissions, which is why I enjoy. So like the Chris Rufo of the Worlds are trying to fight to get CRT banned. You got the Goldwater Institute trying to fight for transparency in school. My lane is for, for where it's already there. You got thousands of school with 1619 Project. Fine. Take this book. I write a chapter on every essay and bring it into the school and say, this is what 1619 says. This is what Charles says. Critical thinking. Look it up. Who's right? I guarantee you there are more facts in mine than there are in hers. That is certainly true. If you could be given a divine wand, a magic wand from God, and make one change in black life, I'll tell you what I would. So, so it was to put myself on on the spot and to have you react. If I had that magic wand for one thing, it would be that every black kid have a father at home. What would what would yours be? Ooh, that's a good one. See, I wasn't thinking that because I'm thinking it's as existing, but I guess I do have a magic wand because that's really important. Um, but but even but still, I think. People still have American privilege. They have all the other privileges we have. So if I were to say a different one, I would just, yeah, I'd be, you know, set the bar a little lower. I would say have them all be, you know, engaged. They're not engaged. They, they're not paying. They send their kids to school like it's daycare, and they say the school's going to raise my kid. So I don't have to do addition of teaching. I don't have to even ask them what they learn. It's just the school's doing okay. So they don't know all this stuff that's happening. They hear what, what BLM says about police. So, and I got that. I, I know this is right because I have upper middle class friends. Well, I say, when was the last time you experienced a specific racist event in your life? They say, I can't remember, right? They're successful. They have summer homes. They're doing great. Yet they parrot what the Kendys say because, I mean, if it's on the news and they're saying it, it must be true. So, because they're not engaged. So even though they have never had to deal with these things, they believe the majority of the black community has. I ask people another one. What percentage of blacks live in poverty? I get somewhere between 30 on the low end to 70 at the high end. Blacks, whites, it doesn't matter. No one knows that the number is 20, right? So it has been going down up until the, the COVID thing. So my point is blacks aren't, as a whole, poor, uneducated, or criminals. But the narrative is that we're in the criminal justice system. Nobody I know really is in the criminal justice system. They say, we're all uneducated. 35% of them have college degrees, and we're all poor, only 20%. What about the 80%? Only 2.5% commit violent crime. What about the 97%? We are the 97% is what we should be saying, but we're not engaged. So that would be the one I would go with. That's a good answer. I had a good answer, and you had a good answer. 
Well, my friend, how do people hear your uh, your show? Well, my radio show, I'm kind of busy. So the Charles Love Show is on AM 560, The Answer in Chicago. It airs at 11 a.m. Central on Sundays. My podcast, Cut the Bull, you can just stream it or you can download it on your app and listen to it or watch it on YouTube. We had Eric Metasis. We're going to have a Dennis Prager. We've had uh, Tucker Carlson. We've got some really interesting uh, episodes. The current one is Bruce uh, Gilly defending colonialism. So that was an interesting conversation. And uh, they can just find all the stuff that I do at thecharleslove.com. Bless you, my friend. This was a wonderful time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.